This is Jim Fleming. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Stuart Heights or more about our class, or if you'd like to leave us some feedback, you can do so at teachings.jim314.com. Enjoy the lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. We are in Colossians today. We're going to finish up the text that we started last week. Doug and Darla weren't here, so you got your notes? Awesome. Good deal. You listened to the podcast? Did you really? Kudos to you. Way to go, Darla. Tech-savvy Darla Skinner. <clears throat> You're addicted to it now. It's easy, isn't it? Yeah, all right. So, welcome to Sunday School. Uh, take your Bibles, turn over to Colossians. We're going to start with verse 1 in chapter 1, work our way through 3.17, and then uh, I'll do a little bit of a review very quickly of last week's text. If you brought your handout from last week, it's still good for this week. If you need a new one, it's in the middle of the table. Uh, and I will draw attention to the website at the very bottom of the handout. If you ever miss a lesson or want to know a little bit more about uh, the text that we're teaching from, there's a whole lot more notes there than what I ever end up covering in Sunday school. So I, generally on a given Sunday morning, I will talk about 60 to 70% of what I prepared to talk about. So there's a whole lot more out there if you want to dig deeper and learn a little bit more, if that's your thing. So let's start in Colossians 1.1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created there in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And you, who once were alienated and enemies in your minds by wicked works, yet now He is reconciled in the body of His flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for His sake, for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints, to whom 
to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this I say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding it within thanksgiving. Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him, who is the head of all principality and power. In Him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ." buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substances of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men? These things, indeed, have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So that brings us up to today's text. And then we start in verse, seven, in verse 18 with today's text. So we get more and more specific as we go through Colossians. So the first two chapters are very high level. It's a lot of theology. When we dive into chapter 3, he starts getting very, very specific. So we get into roles in verses 318 through 41. So wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you have a master in heaven. So, as we talked about last week, there's three different pairs of relationships here. There's wives and husbands, children and fathers and parents, and then bondservants and masters. And always the, the, uh, the role that is, in, that is under authority comes first, and then the role that is over authority is dealt with next. So, quick review of last week's wives submit. This is to be a voluntary submission. That's your first blank, voluntary. And submission, we talked about a lot, does not mean inequality. <coughs> does not mean inequality. We talked a little bit about last week about there is, there is authority and order in all of God's creation. Everything that he does has a purpose and order and a pattern. Um, I had somebody very, very early on in my study of the scriptures that gave me that quote that said, everything that God does, he does with a purpose, with an order and a pattern. And it has helped me look through the scriptures and filter things out when I say, I, this doesn't seem to fit in this text. Okay, well, it might not. It might fit stepping back in the larger text of all of Scripture, looking at the Ark of Redemption, these big themes that God has running through the Scriptures. So maybe it fits there. But there is an order of authority in all of God's creation. We talked about uh, that statement at the end of verse 18 in your blank there. Wives put on, what was the blank? Submission. Wives put on submission, right? It's kind of the summary of verse 18. So we get to 19. Husbands, love your wives. Now, I skipped over this a little bit last week, and I touched on it a bit with the children, but Paul is writing to a group of people that are governed by Romans and are under Roman law at this point. And Roman law said the husband could do basically whatever he wanted to. He could execute the judgment against his children. He could he'd pronounce a judgment and then go execute that judgment, up to and including death. And he could put his wife, he could sell his wife into slavery. He could, uh, so that there are kids in the room, there are all sorts of other things that he could do legally that were absolutely horrible. So when Paul writes and says, husbands love your wives, this completely changed the game. This was a whole new world at this point. Because now the standard was not, I get to do whatever I want. The standard is, I lay down my life for you as Christ laid down his life for the church. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's different. That's completely different than, the, than what they were used to at this time. So husbands, the, the blank there at the end of your sentence, at the end of your verse 19, is husbands put off bitterness and put on love. So put off bitterness and put on love. Then we go to verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And we talked a little bit about the, the submission and authority relationships inside the Trinity itself. So we have... 
we have a three members of the Trinity. The first that we typically talk about is God the Father and God the Son and then the Holy Spirit, right? So God the Father sent the Son to accomplish His will on the earth. The Son, when He left the earth, sent the Holy Spirit to continue that work upon the earth. And inherent in those relationships is some level of authority, is some level of submission. So the Father has authority over the Son. The Son, it appears, since He sent the Holy Spirit, has some level of authority over the Holy Spirit. Doesn't make any one of them less God or more God. They're completely God. Three complete individual persons, one God. It's a beautiful relationship of authority and submission inside the Trinity itself. So whether you're in authority or whether you're under submission, as we all are both, we all are both, that is a reflection of the actual being and nature of our God. So it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So for children here, the, the put on is what? Put on obedience. Absolutely. Put on obedience. And then we get to verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Uh, a parent, here's your blank, as Barclay said, a parent could do anything he liked with his child. So, so the idea of not provoking your children so restricted I mean, if you can't provoke your child, then certainly murdering your child or selling your child into slavery seems to be completely off the table at that point. So the line got pulled back significantly farther than it was before. So these things are radical shifts in societal makeup at this time. And then we talked about uh, Martin Luther. Uh, Luther talked all of his days that he found it difficult to pray, Our Father. His father was so strict with him and so stern with him. He had trouble relating to his God as his father because that relationship was so broken. And I have talked with people, and I know some of you have a broken relationship with your fathers, and it is difficult to think of and look at God as a father because you have no good earthly example of that. So here's somebody that we can relate to here. So fathers, we put off provocation. I'm still looking for a better word here. Because that's a hard word to spell. Provocation. P-R-O-V-O-C-A-T-I-O-N. <clears throat> what you got? Did I skip one? I think you did. To have a relationship and authority. And authority and submission to that authority. Yes. Yeah. So inherent, inherent in those titles, back on verse 20. Inherent in those titles is a relationship of authority and submission to authority. Thank you. And now we get to verse 22. So this is kind of where we left off last week. So up to, to, to current. So bond servants. Does anybody have a different translation in your Bible than bond servants? Slaves. Slaves. Anybody else? Guess what the word means? It means slaves. Right. Why would he write to slaves? The Romans owned slaves, right? It, it was, it's estimated that a massive, significant portion of the Roman Empire was actually constituted by slaves at this point. So when you think about a gospel of setting someone free, a gospel of forgiveness, a gospel of love from God, who do you think this might resonate with? This might resonate with the lower levels of society. And it did. And Christianity blew up amongst the slaves in Rome. So when he talks to the slaves and he says, Obey. Now, this is the exact same word that he uses back in verse 20 for the children to obey your parents. My blank here is that everyone is under some type of authority. In my notes, 
I've got an extended quote uh, back on page 81 um, <clears throat> from a guy named Johnson. And he talks about, and I don't think this is in your notes anywhere, but he talks about four authorities that all Christians are under. We're under authority to Christ. We're under authority in a household. We're under authority in a church. And we're under authority in the state. So we, whether you like it or not, that, that's where we are. We're under authority. So that there's always something going on under authority. So back to verse 22. Bond servants obey. Everyone is under some type of authority. In all things to your masters. Does anybody have a different word in your Bible for masters? Anybody know the Greek word for this one? It's a curious word. Nobody laughed. The word is curious, actually. Sorry. Greek humor. It's early for Greek humor, I know, right? K-U-R-I-O-S. It literally means, most of the time in the New Testament, it's translated Lord or God. It's the one in charge. It's the master. It's the one that is, uh, has authority over these things except when it is obvious in the context that it is dealing with human people who are in some type of authority, which is what this is. So bondservants obey in all things your masters. The blank here is Lord. The blank here is Lord. According to the flesh and not with eye servants. So, so could Paul have written, bondservants, throw off your chains, you are no longer slaves. Yeah, the Holy Spirit told him right that. He could have written that. And what would have happened? Another crushing revo revolt, uh, another rebellion from the Roman slaves, and another crushing revolt from Rome. And it would have been very likely that this would have all been snuffed out. Because uh, one of the commentators I read said that, um, that Christianity is not as dynamite. Christianity is as leaven. It rises slowly. It does not explode social things. It rises slowly and changes from within. Now, we in a modern society generally take this principle of bond servants obey your masters in all things and apply that toward what? Our jobs, right? We apply this toward work. Toward the person that we are responsible to in a day-to-day -day working relationship. So, is that what Paul was describing here? Sorta, not exactly, but I think the the translation works pretty well. Okay, so so I will I will palms up, very transparent. This is not exactly what Paul wrote, but boy, the application works really really well. Okay, so bond servants, those that are employees. Obey your masters in all things, according to the flesh. So, so why would he put according to the flesh? What's according to the flesh? Yeah, right? It's, it's the, the physical, earthly stuff. <clears throat> all right, so according to the flesh, in the work that we do in the real world, not with eye service. Not with eye service. So, um, so what do you think eye service means? Yeah. Have you ever worked with somebody... That worked really hard when the boss was around. Have, have you ever been somebody that worked really hard when the boss was around? My hands are up in the air right now. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, this, this is, we have done this, right? And, and one of the things that I think is beautiful, I had somebody tell me one time early on in my working career, you ought to work harder when the boss is not around than you do when the boss is around because you're being a testimony to the others that you're working with. It's like, ooh, well, that's neat. Okay, 
That's a tough one, but all right, that makes sense. So not with eye service, not with sight labor, not as men pleasers. Not, we're not trying to, uh, literally the, the word can be translated fawning, which I thought was kind of weird, but it's the way it could be translated. So I left it in, I thought it was funny. But in sincerity of heart, so in simpleness, uh, the, this word can be used to describe a sheet that is put on something that is not folded. Because when you fold things, I don't know how many of you have watched this uh, Penn and Teller, uh, watch magicians do their thing, and then they see whether they can figure it out or not. Well, these magicians, when, they do their, when they, they're doing their tricks, every single one of them has what? Long sleeves. Right? You know why they have long sleeves? So they can have stuff up their sleeves, absolutely. They're, I haven't seen one yet that comes on stage with no shirt. I'm going to do some magic tricks and I have no shirt. No, 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 no. Because they hide things in the folds, right? They, they conceal. It's not transparent. It's not above board. It's not easy to see. This word sincerity means without folds. I think, Darla, I think he's using another sewing term here. He's used two that I have never picked up on before in the last week. So I think that this is another one. So sincerity of heart. Fearing who? God. Fearing God. Absolutely. Because... Uh, McGee, uh, Jay Vernon has a great quote on this. He said, don't keep your eye on the clock. Keep your eye on Christ. He is the one whom you're serving. That is a just, yes, that just nails it. That is beautiful. And then verse 23, and whatever you do, and, and I, these statements of Paul are kind of the caulk that fills in all the little cracks. In case you thought there was a workaround, in case you thought there was a loophole or a catch, or an exception, then comes verse 23, and he fills in all the little holes. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. I love this word, heartily. Do you have a different translation? Do you have a different word? Enthusiastically. Enthusiastically, that's good. It liter- it's, a, it's a compound word. It means from the Spirit, or from the breath, or out of the Spirit. And, you, and then you go one step further, and it means out of breath. I do it so passionately that I might be out of breath at the end of this. I do it enthusiastically. I'm not doing this half-hearted. I'm not doing it when the boss is watching. I'm doing this as well as I can and as hard as I can. I'm giving this my all because I'm not working for Honda Superstore. I'm working for Jesus. And when I think about Jesus as my boss and not my employer as my boss, that changes the whole model. It changes the whole model. So... Out of breath, from the inside and the empowering of the Spirit, as to the Lord. Stedman, I still, I just I love this guy. Um, can't wait to meet him in heaven one day. Um, I, have a, I have a feeling he's going to be like an old man in heaven with an awesome gray beard. and have a. He's not. He's going to be like a young dude, I imagine, but it'd be still neat to see. He says, we are to work as unto the Lord. This is to be our motivation. It is the Lord Christ we are serving. Here's your, here's your quote. Every employee ought to write that down and put it somewhere where he can see it during working hours. I do too now. I do too now. I have a sticky note on my computer, and it's as unto the Lord. And it, it's just one of those, man, why did I get as unto the Lord? Yep, okay, here we go. It, it just, it's a very good redirector. It's a very good redirector. So get that, put that out. You're, he says your employer may pay your salary, but that's the Lord for whom we're working. Um, it's just beautiful, beautiful things here. So, and not to men. Heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive or you will take aside the reward of the inheritance. Who is he specifically writing to here? He's writing to who? Like, who started this paragraph? 
Slaves. He's writing to slaves. And he's telling slaves, you've got an inheritance from God. Now, under Roman law at this time, slaves could own no property. They could own nothing of value. So Paul is taking them from saying you have nothing of value to God has an inheritance for you. That's pretty awesome. That's, that's a radically different worldview than what they were living in at that time. So knowing that the Lord, from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. Now, if you, if you just physically look, I want you to look at your copy of the Scripture. And look at the amount of physical space that he takes up when he talks about husbands and wives. Like two lines or maybe three lines, right? Look up the physical space that he's talking about when he talks about uh, children and parents. Just a couple of lines. And then look at the physical amount of space that he takes up when he talks about slaves and masters. Which one's the biggest? Slaves and masters, right? All right. Why do you think this is the case? Yes, I think you're right. It's either importance or how much trouble they were having with it. Because Paul wrote things to specific churches to correct problems or to say, hey, you're doing a great job with this. Now, if you look a few verses down from that, in the final greeting section where Paul does his shout-outs and he's like, hey, 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 then who is carrying the letter? Who is carrying Colossians? Dude's name starts with a T. It's Tychicus. And somebody else? Albert? Onesimus. Where do we learn about Onesimus? In the, in the letter to Philemon. So Onesimus is also carrying the letter to the Colossians. We think that at the same time he was carrying the letter to Philemon. Guess where Philemon lived? Colossae. Guess what church Philemon would have been in? This one. So Paul had it on his mind to fix this because he had a problem here. Because Onesimus had run away. And Onesimus and Philemon, his master, needed to be reconciled. So he sends Onesimus back with a letter to hand to Philemon, and it basically says, forgive him. Now, remember what we just talked about earlier, that Philemon had the legal authority to have him killed. He would have been legally justified to have him killed. And Paul says, he is your brother. If he owes you anything, I will pay it. And you are to forgive him and receive him back. What? I mean, this is, this is the equivalent of somebody who has been convicted of a crime against you shows up at your house with a letter from somebody you love and respect that says forgive him and take him back into your home. Now, you, you want to talk about where the rubber meets the road Christianity. It just got real personal. Real personal. I think this is on Paul's mind. I think it's something that they were going to be dealing with in a very real way. And I think the Holy Spirit just took a minute to walk them through this and to give them the bigger perspective. Because in Philemon, the bigger perspective is not given. It is all about Onesimus and Philemon. It is about that relationship. And Paul comes in, he gives him these data points, and he explains to him what's going on. But here is the bigger perspective. Because the church needs the bigger perspective, and Philemon needs the relationship restored. This was my aha moment this week, Albert. That, that to me is how they fit together. I don't know. I think I'm getting closer, maybe. I'm going to get to heaven, and God's going to go, yeah, you kind of like scratch and sniffed that one. You got like just a little bit. Like, cool. I'll take it because it's awesome stuff.
So, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You serve the Lord Christ. Verse 25, but he who does wrong, now who are we talking to here? We're still talking to who? We're still talking to the slave. So he who does wrong, so how would you do wrong if you're a slave? You, you disobey, you don't serve well, you do it with eye service, you, you're not doing it unto the Lord. He who does wrong will be repaid. Well, that doesn't sound enjoyable. I'll leave it at that. For what he has done, he will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. So what's partiality? Favoritism. We've never seen a work environment with favoritism. Oh my goodness. I will not ask for a show of hands of how many of you believe you're in a work environment right now with favoritism. You know why? Because we're fallen and we're broken. We're fallen and we're broken. We're not able to do this properly. It's only with the Holy Spirit's help that we're even able to come close. So <clears throat> there is no partiality. There's no partiality. So here's a quote from Kaufman. Paul here extended to the slaves of ancient Roman Empire, perhaps the most unfortunate class to ever live on earth, no matter what the inequities, no matter what the injustice, no matter how much unfairness, partiality, and wickedness may torture one's earthly existence, the eternal reward is absolutely sure. Here's your blank. God will make all things right. He will make all things right. See, we are not commanded... We are not commanded to obey when it is convenient. We are not commanded to believe when it is convenient. We are not commanded to adhere when we think that it feels right. We are commanded to obey. We are commanded to be content in whatever environment, in whatever situation that we are in. Because this reflects appropriate submission. This reflects that we understand authority. This reflects that we understand the very nature of our God and desire to mimic that relationship in the members of the Trinity in our working lives. I had never thought about this before until about three weeks ago, but I get a chance to teach the people that I work with about the Trinity with the way that I, way that I work. Now, that is humbling. That is very, very humbling. Does this make sense? You guys are kind of staring at me a little bit here. Do I need to do some jumping jacks or something? I'm not very coordinated. But you're like, no, okay, all right, good. <clears throat> all right, so I'm going to take a second. What happened to you this week? You got a job. You got a job. Yeah. Awesome. I was sitting on the couch when I saw the Facebook post, and I jumped up and started running around the house, and my wife, who's actually homesick today, she's like, what, what is wrong with you? She's like, Jay got a job. She's like, oh, that's awesome. And then she kind of rolled over. It's <laughs> like, okay, I'm sorry. All right. So the slaves, here, here's the, the blank at the end of uh, that section. Put off what? Put off eye service and put on obedience. Put off eye service and put on obedience. All right, so in my mind, Verse 1, chapter, we're in chapter 4, by the way. We made it. Some of you never thought we'd get there. It's all right. Chapter 4, verse 1. In my mind, this is the most socially radical statement in the entire book of Colossians. This is it. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair. 
Now, you, you want to talk about completely blowing up social constraints at this point. So does anybody have a different word for just and a different word for fair? Right. right. Equal. Equal. Hey, let's put those together. Equal. Right. Ooh. 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 Are you saying that, that equal rights shows up in the Bible? Yeah. You know why? Because in the church, this is in the church, right? The master and the slave are brothers. I love it. I love it. He takes all these social weird norms and cultural awful things, and he just says, you're equal at the foot of the cross. You're brothers. You're sisters. This is the way this works. I'm thankful. So, masters, give your bondservants what is just or what is righteous, what is holy, what is meet, what is equitable and fair, what is equality, knowing that you have a master in heaven. Now, look at the word master in that sentence. <coughs> the master in heaven. What kind of, how is that spelled? With a capital M. Now, it is the same Greek word. It is kurios as has shown up many, many times in this passage so far. But it is really obvious at this point that we are no longer talking about the person who is over the bondservants. We are talking about the person who is over the universe. Right? This is a whole different master. We have a master in heaven. So masters, what are we to put on? We are to put on equality. We are to put on equality. So I will, I will kind of conclude with the same four things that I talked about before. We are all in submission. We are all in subordination to Christ, in a household, in the church, in the state. Um, if you want to know more about those, that, that's just a fantastic study. If you go to page 81 of the notes online, it's, just, it's a really, really good section there. I didn't have a time to go through it. So you say, Jim, what's the point? Well, number one, everyone is under authority. Everybody's under authority. Absolutely. So what do I do with that? Well, number one, learn to live as number two. That's... I'm not in charge of the universe. And everybody said, amen, because I'm way too fickle to be in charge of the universe. <laughs> right? Way too fickle. I mean, can you imagine that? We'd like teach six math classes every class, every, uh, every school day to all the kids. Why not? Because it's, it's awesome, right? We would have no French. We would not study French. Does anybody like the French language? We would never study. You like the French language? That is awesome. I do not want to crush your dreams. You go, you work hard in school, you study the French language, and you can answer my question, Keller et Teal. Okay? Cool. <clears throat> Number two, being under authority. I took three years of French. I know, like, that's like all that I know of French, okay? Being under authority does not lower value. It does not lower value. If being under authority lowered value, then Jesus would have less value and the Holy Spirit would have less value. And I even go as far as to say is that God the Father would have less value because he has bounded himself with his own word. He has self-restricted himself. So being under authority does not lower value. So what do we do with that? Learn to live as number two. You may see a pattern here. And then number three, being under authority allows for God's will to be done. We have a really, really awful theology right now that's going around, and I hear it a lot, even in our church, that God's will is always done. God's will is not always done. God's will is rarely done here on, on earth. That's one of the reasons Jesus told us to pray that God's will would be done. God's will is that all men be saved. 
God's will is that we obey His Word at all times. That is not always done. But when we put these things rightly, when the home is in the right order of authority, that creates an environment for God's will to be done. So what do I do with that? Learn to live as number two. You probably already filled that one in, didn't you? You knew that was coming. I should have changed it to be number three. If I said the answer was number three, how many of you would erase number two and write number three right now? Yeah, some of you are like, yes, I would have to. That's okay. It's not. It's number two. I'll let you leave it alone. Awesome. So that's Colossians chapters 1, 2, and 3 and the very first part of chapter 4. So next week we'll be looking at the Christian graces. We'll probably spend two weeks after that talking about these shout-out folks at the end. And then we'll spend a week doing the the final closing greeting. And then we'll have a week of wrap-up with, like, what did we learn through this study of Colossians. So thank you for coming today. In the middle of your tables is a weekly update. Make sure that you've got your name on that. Everybody's name. Even those who are studying French one day. I want everybody's name on there, okay? Everybody's name on there. Uh, Pray as a table, and then uh, you are dismissed. Thanks for coming to Sunday School, guys.